Wow. Praise God. Praise God. So many kids. Well, do you all have your Bibles? Yes, good. Well, if you would, while I'm getting you prepped, if you would turn to Philippians uh, chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 12 all the way through to verse 18. And so you can be kind of getting there as I'm getting you caught up. Um, Hopefully you took last week as a challenge. And and I hope, I mean, I, I hope and pray this every week that these words don't go void, that they're not just meant for this time because God's word is meant for more than just this hour. It is meant for this hour and beyond. It's meant to challenge us and change us and transform our hearts so that we go out and be the people that God is so encouraging us to be. And so today we're going to talk about continuing to understand what it means to be an influencer. So I don't know, did you spend some time looking at influencers? No? Okay, good. Just say yes. Okay. Today is just say yes, okay? Um, Well, I want to just kind of continue on that journey and uh, share with you. I went and looked at the list of who over time is most uh, kind of influential in the world. So number one, Muhammad, then Isaac Newton before Jesus. I don't understand that. That's just, uh, he was a mathematician and scientist. I don't really like math, so I'm going to put him to like number three and move Jesus to number two, okay? Really, he's number one in my heart and mind, and I believe that we'll recognize one day that he is number one, but he was number three. Come on now. You all need to say number one. Number one, okay. And then we go on to see others, uh, George Washington, 25th, things like that. But I want you to think about something today um, to kind of help you maybe understand and use this, this kind of word that Paul's giving us as a word maybe more for you personally. Do you all have people in your life that influence you? And I mean for the positive. Today we're talking for the good, the spiritual, because we have lots of influences that are what? not so good. They're everywhere. Just take a moment and they'll be after you, right? You can say amen to that. But today I want you to think about those individuals that most influence you. Okay, and those of you in first service is like a repeat. But this is also a test. You want to know why it's a test? This is a test to see if when my wife gets home from going to her church, if she's going to watch this. You know what I'm saying? Because you know what I mean? This is a test, okay? If you're married, you'll know what I mean. Um, Anyway, uh, I would say that in the last, she ain't going to watch it. She didn't watch it last week. But anyway, um, I was talking and getting all excited. She's like, huh? I'm like, girl. She said, I just got home from church. I was like, okay. She did watch it eventually. Um, but I want you to think about this for a second. There is something about people that we love having the ability, especially when they love you for the right reasons. You know what I'm talking about? Like they want the best for you, not for themselves through you, but they want the best for you. And that's my wife. Since I've met her, she has wanted the best for me. I can't say that I've always wanted the best for her. I really wanted the best for her for me. Does that make sense? Okay. But I've gotten over that and past that, and now I want the best for her. Like saying, hey, why don't you stay with your family a week longer? This means the world to you. I have to be honest, I'm mad at my kids. Hello. They didn't call me last night. I'm, you know, I started to do a little bit of a down dive. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, um, there's something about her that she knows me well. And I think it's important for us to have people like this in our lives, and I know I've probably shared this before, but she just has a way of seeing me and knowing where I'm at. And I said this earlier, and this is totally true, okay? But if I'm listening to Adele and you come into my office, you just turn right around, you know what I'm saying, and go back out. And so I'll kind of tell you what I mean, but when I'm in a bad place in my mind, I tend to, I don't know why, because all her songs, y'all know who Adele is, worldwide, okay? All right, Skyfall, easy on me, hello? 
I feel like singing it right now, but I want. I listened to it all day yesterday because I was depressed from Friday night because my kids ain't call me and all day Saturday. And so I got myself worked up and I sent my wife a text. You know what I mean by that. I sent her text all day, but then I sent her the text. Okay, well, why don't you just... You know, and then you, you go from there. But anyway, so my wife knows me so well. Like, when she comes in and I'm listening to Adele, she comes in like I'm a little kid, and she goes, hey, sweetie. I'm like, what? She's like, okay, I'll come back. And she comes back. You know what I'm saying? She, this is for real happens. I'm really nutty, okay? And so I don't know why you're sitting here. But anyway, so I send this text, and she's so kind. You know, she could tell me off back. You know what I'm saying? But she didn't. I wasn't telling her off. I was just saying how sad I was. They didn't call me. They don't love me anymore. You might as well just stay there and all that, you know? So... I've got to get it all in in one text because, you know, once you do one, the next one's like, boy. Anyway, the next text was, are you listening to Adele? I said, how do you know? I'm listening to Easy on Me. I'm not kidding. I listened to it 30 times all by myself. I got in the car, put it on, went to Menards, put it on. Somebody looked at me. I said, I'm in a mood. And so anyway, she knows me well and she handles me well. And there's moments where, you know what she could have said? Why in the world would you? Why did you? Why do you always? Instead, she said, are you listening to Adele? And I responded and said, how did you know? And she said, I know you. And she said, your kids love you. They just don't get to see their family very often. So this is a special time. See, that's how she handles me. Because you know what? If I was married to somebody else, they'd probably let me know a different, you know what I'm saying? Because for some reason, Ashley and I are just meant to be together. And so, as I grow, she has more and more influence on me. You know why? Because I've watched her allow Christ to have more and more influence on her. So, I want you to think about those people that you let have influence on you. Especially if they're people of God who have the best intentions of mind for you, not for them through you. Those are people you should listen to those are people you should heed. And just like Paul, he had an understanding of, let's just call him the first church of the Nazarene in Europe, okay? I started that last week. Let's continue it, okay? Nazarene church wasn't even made up yet, but that's okay. But think about it. He had influence over these people. Why? Because he started the church. Second, because he loved them. He wanted the best for them. He wanted the most for that area. And he wanted the most for those that didn't know Christ in that area as well. And so, he had great influence over the people of that day. And Paul was number six on the worldwide list. That's pretty good, right? That's pretty good, okay. Maybe it's not to you, it isn't me, okay. Anyway, Philippians chapter two, if you want to stand, hey, and if you're home, stand too for the reading of God's word, honoring his word, and uh, it is powerful. We're gonna be in verses 12 through 18. Remember, he's talking to this first church in Europe. Obviously, he's talking to believers, and he's talking to people that are part of the church. So keep that in mind. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now... Not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling. That's hard, ain't it? I stopped earlier and I stopped now because it's easy to grumble, ain't it? Y'all, you know you grumbled about an hour ago. I'm just kidding. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights 
Think about this. He was saying, you are the lights. Church, we are still the lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Look at this. He is thinking all about them. He's saying, this isn't about me. I'm just hoping. I, I am hoping that this is not in vain. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. God, come, come, send your spirit Bind the hands of Satan in the name of Jesus. We trust you with this time. We trust you with our hearts, our minds. We open ourselves up. We come against the enemy in the name of Jesus and cast him out. He has no authority and no right in this place. And so right now we look to you and you alone. Speak to us. Move. Let the words that come out of my mouth just be your words. Work in the midst of me. Work in the midst of my insecurities. And so today, Lord, we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to think about this statement before um, we get started. And, oh gosh. Okay. And I want you to think about this. It's kind of the whole picture of this passage. And just kind of grapple with it the whole way through. We are lights in the world only to the degree that we are obedient to the commands of Christ. Come on now, church. As much as you let the light of Christ in, as obedient as you are is as far as you will go to be a light to others. How often are we this close to being the light to someone else, but we pull in and become... There's often times, and I can only go off my own experience, where my wife could pull in, but she doesn't. So think about this as we go through today, because this is what Paul is overall saying in this passage. We are lights in the world only to the degree that we are obedient to the commands of Christ. When obedience stops, the light of Christ diminishes. Not saying it goes away, but it diminishes. As we step back into obedience, the light comes back. It isn't a permanent light that just stays. If it were... Paul wouldn't be writing a letter to the church to say, come back to the things of Jesus. All right, let's start this. So the first thing, and I hope you understand, because maybe today you're saying, hey, this, this series doesn't relate to me. You are all influencers. Whether you like it or not, you are influencing someone. And I really believe this is a bold statement, but you should be proud of being an influencer for the cause of Christ. That should excite you. That should get you ready. That should infill you to say, no matter what my place in the world is, I have a place to bring influence to the people that need Christ. So the first thing in really understanding how we can embrace full influence, genuine influence begins where reliance is consistent. Now think about that. We don't like to be reliant on other people, right? We don't like to be reliant on other things. We like to be independent, but the bottom line here, Paul is saying, you can't be reliant on yourselves. Because all that does, and think about it, somehow Paul got this information, right? He didn't just, he wasn't there. Someone came to him and said, the people of God, the light of the world, are, are not really being the light of the world right now. Can you address them? Somehow their influence was moving from outward to inward to 
isn't that easy for the church. What's interesting here is that if we're consistently relying on Christ, if we're consistently working out our salvation, it doesn't mean we're always getting saved. That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying here is that we're constantly pursuing holiness. We're constantly pursuing the changing and transformation of our minds, of our hearts, of our speech. Interestingly enough here, it talks a little bit about means. Y'all know what the means is? Like if you have means to do something, I'm chuckling because like you're really skilled in carpentry, you know what I mean? And that's like not my skill. But let me tell you, YouTube is sometimes our friend. If you don't know how to do something, okay, I just want you to go to YouTube and guess what? Your means might grow, okay? I couldn't do something this week and I was determined. Can I just be, is this selfish? All right, I built barn doors, okay, because we got this room and I actually went on YouTube, watched a bunch of videos. Two hours later, I semi-knew what I was doing and they only bend on the bottom, you know what I'm saying? So like, you can't even tell if you're looking straight on, just don't look to the side. But to me, right, my means expanded, because I challenged myself and said, you know what? I'm not going to ask anybody. I'm just going to do it. And it's cheaper to do it on your own. Interestingly enough, Paul was saying, if you'll open yourself up, you're going to open yourself up to the means of Christ, which is vast, which is big, which is challenging. See, oftentimes we, we limit ourselves. We say, well, I can only do, well, I can only be, and so in our minds, instead of being an influence, we're just, we're just making it. Oftentimes, our means are limited by our minds, not actually by what's possible or impossible. Y'all ever limit yourself? I talk about it a lot, because I think the church is limiting itself. And, and why? Because our minds get in the way, and we say, we just can't. I don't know why we can't. Because see, the Lord is saying we can. So when you think about what you have the means to do, I promise you, that's just what you think you have the means to do. It is not what the Lord thinks you have the means to do. Because see, when you open yourself up, your abilities grow. Why is this significant? Paul was saying, what you're doing <laughs> is you're retreating instead of charging. You're moving into yourselves instead of, you're not treating other people like, you're not changing. I'm writing this letter because when I left you, you're the same way when I left you. Well, what do you mean? He said, hey, you need to be, you need to be diligent about your faith even when I'm not there. In fact, here we see him saying, now, last week I said do nothing. Now, this week I'm saying do everything. Makes no sense, right? I'm just flipping and flopping, right? But here, okay, Paul is saying you need to do everything you possibly can to work out your faith. Which, guess what, church? It means you need to be sacrificing. It means you need to be receiving challenges. It means you need to be... See, many of us, when we're presented with a maybe a different view or a different thought... We go right at it. I promise you, in the last however many years we've been married, there have been moments, I can't believe it when I look back on it, when I read the text and look at my wife's response, or I think about the conversation and the response she had, and then sometimes she'll say, no, what if I sent you that? I'd say, well, I fall apart. I said, why didn't you? She said, because it's not about me. 
I'm helping you. Y'all know I'm crazy, right? Okay. Gosh, you would not want to be married to me. But anyway, um, think about this. Do everything. And church, I am living this. I am trying and attempting and working and allowing the Spirit to say to me in everything, here's where you need to, here's why you should. I I shouldn't be the same pastor that I was a year ago. And I shouldn't be the same pastor next year that I am today. If I'm allowing my heart to be adjusted by Christ, it should be changing. You should see differences. He said, do everything it takes. Do everything it takes to look here first before you start. It's so easy to... In fact, if you look at the way this is written, it refers back to Luke 10, and many of us know this well about the Good Samaritan, and he's going back and saying, hey, the people that should have didn't. And then second, the people that should have didn't. And then third, the person that shouldn't did. And so, what was he saying to the people? You should be the ones that are ministering to the people on the but somehow you've reverted back to the old system and you're headed to the temple but not headed to the to the heart so just just for a second here I want to jog your memory who's the audience here of this letter it isn't the people of the world it's us it was the church it was the church that was stopping the work. Think about this last statement before we. Therefore, my beloved, obey in the seen and obey in the unseen. Because here's the thing was Paul there? Did he have a cellular phone? Did he have an iPhone? Y'all got an Android? Did he have an Android? If you have an Android, I don't really understand that phone, but hey, you are smarter than I am. You work it out. But did he have one of those? Did he have a camera? Y'all with me here? He didn't know, but he knew. Something was happening, and he knew. And you know what he knew? There were things in the unseen. Can I tell you a sad stat? There is more money spent on the Internet for the unseen than spent on the work of the church. And y'all don't want me to go further than that. Because it's in here, it's over there. People are spending a lot of money on the unseen that isn't challenging them to be better, better followers, better people. Billions of dollars in industries that are not edifying, changing, challenging, growing us spiritually but rather just the opposite. And Paul was on to something a long time ago, and that was, people of God, be faithful in the seen. Because, you know, we love to be faithful in the seen. Why? Because everybody sees that. But you know what? God sees beyond. God sees beyond. All right. Genuine influence continues with the law of dignity in mind. You all know what dignity is? We don't use that word very often. You know what dignity is? 
like holding someone in like high esteem or, or like respecting them. Interestingly enough, he kind of got word, right, that their influence outside of the church was diminishing. Their influence outside of the church was, was reducing. In fact, they were not treating people. It's why this references back, if you look in your Bible, to Luke 10. Some people were not welcome. Some people were not allowed. Some people were no longer being ministered to. And it bothered Paul, as it should, church. Because you know what? When someone walks through our door, whether today or tomorrow or Wednesday, we should treat them with what? Dignity, respect. It doesn't matter what they do or where they come from. We should stand as the example. It shouldn't be a new thing in society. All of a sudden, we need to see people. All of a sudden, we need to love. All of a sudden, we need to be kind. What do you mean all of a sudden? Paul said a long time ago, based off of what Jesus said, based off of what God said, that people should be seen, treated well, and taken care of. And this church in Europe had gotten all ready away from that. You know what that tells us? Come on now. It tells us it's easy to get away from that. It's easy to step away from that. It's easy to start saying them and us. It's easy to start and so rebuke it in the name of Jesus when the thought comes and say this doesn't have a place here because this person, this person is a child of God just as I am a child of God. See, what happens is our influence decreases. We stop becoming an influencer for Christ when we start saying, well, they, you know, when people use language like that to me, Internally, you may not see it or you might see it. Internally, I cringe. Internally, I immediately want to like correct. Internally, I want to say, what gives you the right to say your and their? All children, all people are child of God. He was basically saying here as well, think about this for a second. This is so simple. And I'm going to have fun with this for a second. But the bottom line is, when you turn a light on, you can what? See it. I love all, all my years in the church, we, we talk about being a light. You know what I'm saying? But like when you turn a light on, you know what happens, right? You see things. And so if you're genuinely a light, people should be seeing things. So for fun, you know downstairs, right below you, just say yeah. Okay, right below you, we had these lights installed that could handle like higher light bulbs, and I learned all about Luminous. So I just went to Lowe's, because I get the military discount, and I got my military discount, the cheapest light bulb they had. I put it in there, and I said, we don't have enough lights. The electrician said, why'd you put those in? I was like, because they were cheap. And he said, well, that's not going to work down there. I said, okay. He said, look at Luminous. I was like, I thought that really wasn't a thing. He's like, no, go look. Now, here's why we need you to tithe. Each one of those bulbs are $25.80. So don't hit them, don't swat them, don't knock them as you walk by, because each one of those light bulbs is $25.80 at Lowe's with a 10% discount. So if you want to buy one, break one, okay? But they're 4,500 lumas. I had a, a bulb that I thought was great that was 300. So think, <laughs> it's really not great, but think about the difference, right? Put that in your house, you won't be able to see anything but the light, okay? But think about this. Paul was saying, people, do you get it? There are degrees to your light. And right now, your degree is just enough to keep your home stable. And do you think that's, is that all God wants from the people of God? 
Interestingly enough here, when you look at the way this, this translate, it's not just talking, right? It's not just talking about the fact that we're going to get to heaven. See, too often we, we get wrapped up in that. Well, I'm going to, well, that's good. But how are you going there? Who are you going with? How are you making changes? Who are you ministering to? Who can see that you're really interested in more than just your acceptance? And think about this last part of this, this point. What will come of any work we undertake largely depends on the spirit in which we do it. You all know about the spirit. Oh, gosh, I'm going way too far. I was ahead of things. Um, think about it. You ever just do something to do it because you have to do it, right? Like you have to go to school. You know that, right? Just go. Oh, you know what I mean? I'm done with school. But anyway, oh, we should be lifelong learners, right? But anyway, think about it. But think about when you do something well. You know, people can see the spirit you're doing something in. They can see when you're helping someone that you're just... See, working out our salvation well... We do it in a spirit of anticipation. We do it in a spirit of excitement. We do it in a spirit of genuinely wanting to be nearer to Christ. Think about this third thing. Genuine influence continues when we distrust ourselves. Now, I'm going to call this one of the greatest enemies of the church. Okay, you know why? Because we trust ourselves too much. See, in the church, what we do is we trust ourselves so much that we begin, without the Spirit's engagement, to make decisions. I promise you, if I lined up any pastor right now, and I said this very statement, they would say it's an enemy of the church. You know why? Because we start trusting the scene. We start trusting our own thoughts. We start being rational. Well, what do you mean? Think about it. Jesus was irrational. Jesus did things that no one had done. Jesus engaged people in ways that had not been done before. So the key is we must distrust ourselves. Because you know what happens when you start trusting yourself enough, you start getting relaxed. See, what happens is if you continue to distrust yourself with your faith journey, you draw into the word more. When you don't trust yourself to you know what you do? You start praying more. You start seeking more. You start fasting more. You start giving more. You start coming more. You start helping more. You start seeing more. Because the more you see of him, the less you see of yourself. The less you trust yourself. See, when we when we distrust ourselves, our personal devotion to the Lord looks a lot more than a Sunday morning. If I just came to you based on Sunday morning, I'd come to you with very little. But if I trusted myself and thought, well, I've got the answers and the knowledge, I'd actually come to you with a lot less. Be honest. Come on now. Who's the best spoiler? We are. You ever had somebody spoil something? 
You ever been the recipient? You're so excited. You can't wait. You can't believe it. You go to a person, and then all of a sudden, it's like you share with them, and they just pop the balloon, and it just... You ever been there? You ever been the person that's done the popping? And then after you watch the deflate, you realize you were the reason for that? That's because you trust your own thoughts, opinions, plans, more than the plans, opinions, and thoughts of the Lord and other people. So when we trust ourselves too much, we often lack trust in Christ and in the unknown work of Christ. Because sometimes, unfortunately, I'm just going to say this, it'd be nice to have the carpet laid out and it all right there. <laughs> and just know that we know this is what the Lord wants us to do, be, and we just, but you know what? That wouldn't work either. Because we'd start saying, well, is that the right? Is that the... And so we have to be willing to trust him more than we trust ourselves so that we'll be willing to go into things sometimes blindly. But knowing that he's holding on to us, that he's with us. The fourth thing and the, the last thing. Genuine influence. Whew. Genuine influence remains when joy is present. Well, what do you mean? Well, I know, it's such a simple closer, right? Well, think about this for a second. Um, and I, I don't know, I joke about this a lot, but uh, you ever, like, try to cure something? Can I tell you something fun? You're going to think I'm totally nuts, but I'm a, I'm, I'm a little afraid of getting old, um, just to be honest, okay? I've had a lot of encounters with senior citizens, and so I'm just really trying to, like, where they tell us, like, things start to go south. I'm like, don't say that to me. I don't want to know. You know, I just feel awful. Anyway, I've got cream. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sorry, just being for real, right? I put cream where the wrinkles are. You know what I'm saying? I take pills, vitamins, like all those things because I don't want to, I mean, that's just being vain, isn't it? But come on, don't you all want to like, right? Don't we want to stay young as long as we can? I take joint pills and vitamins for everything. Like, I don't have any. I have one prescribed pill, the rest of it. My wife is like, what are you doing in there? I'm like, look, every remedy I see online, I'm taking it tonight. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> And I gotta, I gotta go to bed with a little bit of food because I take so much. If I don't, I get sick. And so I'm just a little neurotic, okay? And so my wife often says, you know, our budget would be a little more flexible if you weren't taking BioFlex and all. I said, look, I gotta keep things right. And so anyway, I'm just saying, okay? I feel like there's things that we can cure things with and we just take care of it. Here's my wife's theory. I don't understand this, but it helps me. So I always get lung stuff in the fall and it pretty much lasts for what, months? I feel like it... I'm dying for months. But anyway, it's just my asthma and all. And so my wife, she'll get sick. She calls the doctor. She has a virtual appointment. They prescribe her the antibiotic. Y'all get antibiotics? Hello, yes, you all been on them probably in the last month. But anyway, she gets them. And in three days, she says she's feeling what? Better. Now, she's the opposite of me. She doesn't like any pills. I like a lot of pills. And so anyway, she'll take three out of a 10-pack. And you know what I do? I add it to my 10-pack. I got 17 in a row, and I'm feeling great. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then she says, because this is what happens, three days later, she feels what again? Sick. So ask her what she then says to me about where are my... I said, look, they don't work like that. You can't take three of the Z-pack and then take the other three later, so I just add them onto mine, and I feel great at the end. And she gets mad because I take her pill. Is, is Dr. Terry Schultz here? Okay, I'm, I shouldn't have said that out loud, but anyway... <laughs> 
I mean, we're married. I get the things mixed up. I mean, I don't know. That's not really true either. So, okay. All right. I forgot. Um, okay. Uh, but here's the thing. My wife, I say, I've said to her all these years, why do you only take half? In fact, this, this ain't my fault. In my van was her finished pack. I was starting to feel funky, so I just popped one in my mouth. I'm like, all right, and then I just continued to take them until they were done. But anyway, and then I felt better. But here's the thing. My wife doesn't understand why she, when she doesn't fulfill the Z-Pack or the amoxicillin with this and that, that it doesn't work because then she's sick a week later. And I'm like, honey, it's because it was meant to be done like completely. Church, here, here's what Paul was saying. If you want to really experience joy, if you want to really experience the work of the Lord, you can't just be with him three out of the ten days. You can't just be with him uh, and do two of the cure and then... You know why? Because he said in the beginning, you're always working out your salvation. Which means the cure is in the work. The cure is in the process. The cure is in the... And if you stop it three days in, three years in, 30 years in, for, for some of you 60 years, 70 years in, I don't care how long you've been in it, when you give it up, you give it up. And then all of a sudden you're getting a letter. Why did you give up after all this time? I tell our seniors, don't give up. Well, I prayed for this for don't give up. Don't stop. Church, if you want joy, partial obedience isn't the way to it. Where there's partial obedience, there might as well be no obedience. You know why? Because you know what partial obedience does? It gets you to my office and you sit in front of me and you say, well, I've done A, B, and C. And I say, well, how long? Well, you know, for a couple of, well, how much? Well, I mean here and there. So, so what are you expecting from God? Come on now. You want your kids to what? And it's done been a year? You want to you want more from him and you haven't talked to him outside of church and you've said no to him all these years and all of a sudden he's supposed to just zap and say people complain about the nation I say well where's your joy how, how light is your lumas are they 300 or are they 4,000 because here's the thing there's a level and each of us have one some are brighter than others so, partial obedience gets us partial joy. And church, here's the thing. When we're full of joy, you know what our influence does? It grows. It's contagious. It's beautiful. It's good. And it is attractive. And it does pull people in. Or Paul would have said, forget it. Why should I even write this? And so church, where today, where today are you? Are you relying on him consistently? Is that, is that birthing your ability to give anyone and everyone the respect and dignity that they deserve? Do you distrust yourself enough to trust God with all you have? 
Is their joy present? And see, why, why do we end with this and why did Paul end with it? Because if there's not joy, then something's missing along the way. If people can't see joy in you, then something's missing. Something has to be worked out, worked through, changed, adjusted, transformed. And so, the question, a very simple one, are you a 300 watt, 4,000 watt? Are you living in limitations? Or are you living in the limitless possibilities that God has for you? God, we thank you today. We praise you. We pray that you would engage us, challenge us. God, today, you've given Paul a word. That's a word that's still relevant to us today. Help us to recognize that we have influence. You have a desire to use us to be a bright light to a world that needs to see you. God, we love you. We pray for the days to come. Keep us healthy. Keep us strong. Keep us safe. And God, keep us willing to be challenged, changed, stretched, adjusted. And God, let us not give up. Let us continue to work out our faith with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great afternoon.